0: Hello, it's Bonnie here with you today and thanks for listening to The Leader Podcast. If you hit subscribe, you can get all the latest news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standard newsroom every day at 4pm. And if you like it, give us a rating too. We'd love to hear what you think. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. (coughs) Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. In circumstances he never could have foreseen, Boris Johnson takes the stage at the Conservative Party
1: conference. I can tell you that your government is working night and day to repel this virus and we will succeed, just as this country has seen off every alien invader for the last thousand years.
0: Our political journalist Sophia Slay says the PM was heavy on hopeful rhetoric but light on detailed policy announcements or foreign policies. And...
1: They've been very reluctant to reveal the scientific case for the 10 o'clock curfew.
0: As the PM faces a Tory rebellion over the 10pm curfew, our consumer business editor Jonathan Prynne says there may be grounds for their concerns. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk comment. In a moment, Boris Johnson addresses the Conservative Party amid mounting infections and the devastating economic toll of the pandemic.
1: Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. I can't see any of you in front of me. There's no one to clap or heckle. I don't know about you, but I have had more than enough of this disease
0: Today should have marked Boris Johnson's equivalent of a Roman triumph. Instead, MPs are left wondering if the Prime Minister, who was all-conquering a year ago, is the man to lead them to the 2024 election. As the pandemic teases out his – and his government's – faults, our editorial column says the PM has one central task – lead Britain through this crisis with the right mix of optimism and realism.
2: Boris Johnson may wish things were different, he must nevertheless grasp the nettle and deal with matters as they are. The government's central role at present divides into three major tasks. One is to get to grips with test and trace, which is not up to scratch. The second concerns communication. The government has not been clear enough on its new rules in the pandemic or on the scientific reasoning behind them. Mr Johnson has meanwhile tended to overpromise. The third is to address the next big challenge, how to handle a vaccine should it come. The government must get its plans straight
0: now and then make them clear to the rest of us. It's been a busy day in our Westminster office where Sophia Slay joins me now. Sophia, under what circumstances had the PM hoped to find himself in today?
2: Well, certainly last year when he gave his speech, um, we were up in Manchester and, you know, he had hundreds, well, probably thousands actually, in in the hall cheering him on and his family in the front row slapping him on the back and stuff and and ministers on top form. So it was the complete opposite this year. It was completely different to what he could have hoped for in, in terms of a performance. There was no audience, so a lot of his jokes were, you know, no no applause, no no laughter, Um, and um, that was a bit surreal watching that.
0: And then there's the political situation he finds himself in, leading the country through a pandemic and an economic crisis.
2: Yeah, well, it was certainly not what he would have hoped for, having won that stonking majority back in December, Um, and he's now faced with with this pandemic. Um, So, but he he did divert from that, I thought, quite quickly. You know, he obviously talked about the pandemic at the beginning, but he seemed quite keen. To get off that subject, and and I, I, you know, the bulk of the speech was sort of hope, 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 optimism, and, and talking about home ownership and wind farms and and everything else. Um, so he was keen to get off that rather dour topic. So what did he choose to focus on then? The stuff of substance, I suppose. He talked about home ownership and turning generation rent into generation buy, care homes, offshore wind farms, and one-to-one um, well, teaching I mean, as well, I mean, actually. The pupils came up yeah. as well which you know all sound great but you know soon yeah. after his speech uh, Westminster Journalist we have a, a briefing by the, you know, the spokesman for the Prime Minister, and um, we did ask for further details on that, on on all those policies pretty much. Um, and I, ha- I have to say, you know, quite frankly, there wasn't much detail coming coming, coming through on that. You know, for example, the ninety-five percent fixed-rate mortgages he was talking about, the, the spokesman couldn't give us a time frame or say how it would be done, um, and, and kept referring back to you know the Prime Minister's speech or what he'd said at the weekend on Andrew Marshall. show. So um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, journalists are going to be really pushing for details um, on on a lot of what he said today. You know, it didn't really feel good enough to to, to announce
0: all this and and not really back it up with much substance. And do you have a sense of how the Conservative Party has responded? Yeah, so, I mean...
2: I, I think uh, it's yeah, early, early for now to see how people have reacted. Um, certainly on Twitter, lots of people seem very chuffed and, and you know, buoying him on and stuff. But you know, it was it was clear as well from that speech that, you know, I thought it was quite a people pleasing speech, and that you know he was, you know, tackling criticism he's getting from the party, as well as the public and the Labour Party, but in particular his party, you know, those powerful backbenchers that are quite angry at the moment. Some of them have been really cross about, you know, sort of state encroachments on civil liberties and stuff like that. And, um... He he was he was definitely trying. He was definitely talking to them directly at points in that speech. He said, you know, I deeply regret the the restrictions, and and basically said there's no other way though. And you know, he promises to roll back the state as soon as possible. He, He was definitely trying to, you know, calm them and please them. So I think time will tell. You know what their
0: reaction is. Next.
1: Tens of thousands of diners and and drinkers are being ejected from premises at exactly the same moment.
0: Could the 10pm curfew be doing more harm than good? In the minutes after 10pm, London's streets fill with crowds of people who have just been kicked out of the capital's busy pubs, bars and restaurants. The nationwide curfew was brought in last month to help tackle a second wave of coronavirus, but some are worried that as everyone heads home at the same time, the risk of spread is at least just as bad as before, and the impact on the hospitality industry could add to the devastating losses they 've already seen, our consumer business editor, Jonathan Prynne, joins me now. Jonathan, why is the Tory leader of Westminster Council ordering an investigation into the effect of the curfew
1: I think there 's uh, widespread concern about the scenes that we 've witnessed um, in the West End in particular over the last couple of sort of Friday Saturday nights going into early hours Sunday morning of the, ten, the impact that the 10 o'clock curfew has on crowding on the streets of London uh, or central London, where people, you know, tens of thousands of diners and, and drinkers are being ejected from premises at exactly the same moment. And inevitably, then you get this huge convergence effect where people are being forced into very close proximity to each other, which totally goes against, you know, the sort of safety and health first um, motivation of, of the curfew in the first place
0: so what are the alternatives then
1: yeah i mean i think the industry wants uh, a much more staggered system i mean the licensing authorities do try and have premises with staggered closing times so you get you know pubs at 11 bars at 12 nightclubs at 2 or whatever so you precisely for this reason that you don't get a massive exodus of people coming out of premises at exactly the same moment which you know is not ideal for transport home it's not ideal for lots of potentially quite sort of intoxicated people all gathering together at the same moment and it's certainly not good when that happens in a in the middle of a a, you know highly infectious viral pandemic.
0: Rishi Sunak has come out today defending the curfew saying that the alternative was that they shut altogether. Is that still an option?
1: Well I guess it has to be. Uh, I'm sure they will keep that as an absolute total last possible option worst case scenario uh, and their message is very much you know we 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 need to take these steps unpalatable though they are now in order to prevent something worse coming down the line but I mean the industry has two main um, complaints one is that it just makes their operation totally unviable they're operating at a loss because capacity is so restricted, you know, nightclubs in particular usually don't open till 10, 11 o'clock anyway. So they're completely, uh, you know, they're losing almost all their custom bars as well, particularly in the West End, not quite so bad for restaurants maybe. But nevertheless, restaurants are finding it really hard to get people out the door by 10 o'clock. It means having to get bills to tables by half past nine. It means you can't really have two sittings uh, of an evening. Um, which reduces their profitability. So there's that point, but there's also the point about this sort of uh, huge overcrowding happening on streets and on public transport at precisely one minute past 10, when everyone's just been thrown out of the doors of thousands of restaurants, bars, etc., etc.
0: The PM is facing a Tory rebellion over the measure. What is it about the curfew that has some MPs so concerned?
1: Well, hospitality is a a huge sector, uh, employs um, several million people. It's one of the biggest contributors to national GDP. And it's one of the sectors that has had the the toughest uh, pandemic in a way. Obviously, during lockdown, none of these premises could open. They thought they were just about getting back to the road to some form of viability over the summer when they reopened in July. Remember, it's only July the 4th that, that the hostility sector's been able to reopen. It isn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now just when some sort of commercial viability seem back in reach, they feel it's been snatched away from them by by the curfew, uh, which just makes it impossible for them to make the money, pay the bills, pay the rents, pay the wages, and make some sort of profit for themselves. They just cannot do it.
0: And as Westminster Council goes out to look at the effects of the curfew, what kind of impact could their findings have?
1: well i think if they <clears throat> I, mean, I think you know MPs are getting a huge amount of pressure from their constituents already uh, on this issue I, mean, I think there's a big post bag the industry is putting a lot of pressure on um, i think it's just it's another powerful voice if they if they particularly if they do come up with some compelling evidence that people are gathering in a dangerous way uh, on top of the sort of anecdotal evidence that we've seen already, uh, I, I think that would, that would put a lot of pressure on the government, particularly as they've been very reluctant to reveal the scientific case for the 10 o'clock curfew, other than to say we need to stop people mixing in a dangerous way as, as a kind of assertion rather than saying, right, well, we've got a really cast-iron piece of scientific evidence that proves that drinking after 10 o'clock is is dangerous.
0: And that's the leader. You can read more on those stories by picking up a copy of the newspaper or visiting standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. See you then.